Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Good to see those of you online. I see the red light on the camera, which means there's people there, I think. Um, it's good to see you guys. Well, um, I get to uh, share with you all something that I know some of you have been worried about lately. Um, And especially since last week, Pastor John mentioned uh, in his message that he had two restaurants in his contacts. And last week, he only mentioned the House of Japan. And so the big question this week has been, what is the other restaurant that is in Pastor John's contacts? Can you please let us know? Inquiring minds want to know. So I made the mistake of assuming something. I called Pastor John and said, hey, can you let me know what that is? What's your other favorite restaurant? He said, well, I hate saying it this way. It's not really my other favorite restaurant. He said, the House of Japan is really the favorite. That's the one I go to. He said, the other restaurant that I have in my phone is the restaurant where I worked when I was in high school. And so I needed that number when I needed to call off. It was for Flyers Pizza. And he said, I like their pizza. It's good pizza. But he said, it's not like House of Japan. Um, so for those of you that have been wondering about that and worrying about that, relax. Okay, it's House of Japan, that's the, that's the one. And then Flyers Pizza, where he used to work. Um, so thank you, Pastor John, for, for keeping us all uh, curious this last week. Um, I'm gonna ask you, if you would, uh, to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter five, verses seven to 12. Last week, we started a new series called The Upside Down Kingdom. And we started with the Beatitudes, and Pastor John uh, read to us from verse one down to verse six of chapter five. I'm gonna ask you, if you would, to stand in reverence to the reading of God's word, I'm going to read to you um, the, next, the next few verses. We're going to read verses 7 through 12 today, and uh, then we'll end, we'll jump, I'll jump to the end here in a second, to Matthew 7. So this is the New Living Translation that says it this way. It'll be up on the screen. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of heaven is theirs, sorry. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Uh, Sometimes we read through these Beatitudes and and they seem like they're nice, uh, sweet sayings and and they don't have much to do with our life today, but it was a nice teaching. It'd be a nice way for people to live if we could all live that way, but since we all don't live that way, they kind of take their place up on the shelf and we go and read them. And as we read them, we think, well, wouldn't that be nice? Um, You know, Jesus sounds very very soft in these. They're very, they're very kind. God blesses those who are merciful. But I want you, I want you to put in the context at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew 7, 28 to 29, it says, when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we look at these passages of scripture today, as we look at these beatitudes, we pray that Lord, you'd help us to realize 
These weren't, these aren't just nice sayings. These aren't just nice trite little things for us to think about and put on refrigerator magnets and things to teach our little kids. These are things for us. That Lord, you taught them to us with authority. The ways that you have told us to live, you expect us to live. And so Father, as we look at these today, I pray that you'd help us to understand what these Beatitudes have to do with the year 2020, what they have to do with Grove City, Ohio and Columbus and the greater surrounding areas here, Lord, with our lives in our houses. Lord, apply these to us today. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, as, we, as we gather and we pray and we ask God to speak with us, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and be among us today. There's, there's times we look at these scriptures and we try to dig in uh, fairly deep to figure out what's going on here. If you realize uh, the Sermon on the Mount is not a very long sermon. It's about 15 minutes long. And all the people said, amen. Yeah, there we go. Um, and so we'll take portions of the Sermon on the Mount and expand them. We'll take, we're taking uh, about four weeks to go through part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, because there's lots that's packed in there. But these verses right here uh, that I'm going to read to you or that I just read to you, sometimes our struggle with them is not that there's something really deep in there. Uh, there's lots of depth in there. The problem is we don't like what it has to say for right now. And it takes us a long time to talk about them so we can talk ourselves out of what they actually say. Because uh, what they say, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. But we don't like what it says. And so we've got to figure ways around that. Um, it takes, you realize it takes one minute to read all the Beatitudes. Only 15 minutes for the entire Sermon on the Mount. But it's difficult to live out. G.K. Chesterton, an Anglican uh, over, uh, that, that used to preach and teach, um, he said, the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let that sink in for a second. It's not that we've read this and thought, well, I tried all that stuff, it just doesn't work. It's that we read it and go, that's too hard. I'm not even gonna try that. Or we kind of write these things off because they seem, they seem countercultural. They don't make sense. In his book, uh, The Upside Down Kingdom, uh, Doug Craybill talks about the fact that the Sermon on the Mount is very direct. Jesus teaches with authority, he teaches right at us. But if we're gonna live that out, we're gonna look very different in the world if we live out what uh, the Sermon on the Mount says. Uh, we hear quite often, some of you heard this a few weeks ago at team night, one team night. We talk about an, a, a wide way. Jesus says, wide is the path and um, many are, there are that find it that lead to destruction. But narrow is the way and, and hard to find is the path that leads to life. And quite often we've been, in our minds, uh, formulated to think like Robert Frost, that we're walking along and there's these two roads that diverged in a wood. And I took the road less traveled by and that has made all the difference. And that somehow the people of the world go this way and the people that follow Christ go this way and our paths don't meet if we're going the right directions. The problem is what Jesus was saying looks a whole lot more like there's this wide path that we're all living in. And we're all going this direction. The world seems to be flowing and going this direction. It's wide, it's easy to find that. If you've ever been in a current, the current just kind of carries you along. Jesus said, it's wide, that, that current's wide. It's easy to get in that path, the path that leads to destruction. 
it's very easy to find it. But narrow is the path. Difficult is the way and few there be that find it is the road that leads to life because it's kind of going against the current. It goes against what's flowing in our society and in our world. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is doing. The Sermon on the Mount is not saying, hey, here's this big road, take this small road, take a left, don't go right, or take a right, don't go left, whichever political side you seem to be on. What Jesus says is, in the middle of this, God has made a way. God's made a way for us to walk and we need to walk in it. It's countercultural. It goes against what the culture says for us to do. We're to be in the world, but not of it, scripture tells us. So God's not trying to, to separate us totally out where we're not there. We're, in fact, while we're on this path, we should be coming into contact with lots of people that are coming against us. We should not be surprised that there's opposition, but we should also be pulling people along with us to follow on this path that leads to life because we don't want them heading towards destruction. So let me read these. If we were, if we were to look at these Beatitudes today, um, part of our struggle <laughs> becomes uh, figuring out what they're saying exactly. Um, sometimes that happens because the world convolutes them. One of my favorite writers, uh, a musician, uh, he wrote a song and in it, he kind of cherry picked parts of the Beatitudes and parts of the Old Testament, the book of Micah. And he says this, blessed are the poor for they shall inherit the earth. That's not what it says. The, blessed, the, the meek will inherit the earth, the poor. Anyway, blessed are the poor. They shall inherit the earth. It's better to be poor than be a fat man in the eye of a needle. Jesus had this other saying that said, it's, it's better, uh, it's, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. So it's kind of humorous here. Blessed are the poor. They shall inherit the earth. Better to be poor than be a fat man in the eye of the needle. As these words were spoken, I swear, I hear the old man laughing. What good is a used up world and how could it be worth having? We don't want to inherit the things of God. We don't want to see what God wants us to have because we want what we want now. We want to have the fun that we want to have now. We want the things that we want to have now. If anybody tries to take that stuff from us, forget them, right? So here's what, here's what the Beatitudes would sound like if we were to say them. Blessed are those who get to be around people that are merciful because those people are like doormats and you can walk all over them. Blessed are you if you get to be around people that are pure in heart because they're easy to take advantage of. Blessed are you if you get to be around peacemakers because they're easily defeated. Blessed are you if you get to be around those who feel like they're persecuted for righteousness sake, uh, they're just gonna become the butt of all your jokes. What about those with false accusations? Well, they just get their names dragged through the mud continually over and over and over. That's what the world looks like when they hear these things. And my problem is sometimes we as the church see things the same way. So let's walk through these Beatitudes again one more time. I'm gonna have you read with me, okay? We're gonna take them one at a time really quickly. We're gonna walk right through them. Um, the merciful, the merciful. You ready? Read this with me. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Uh, we don't look to be merciful, right? We look for ways to get revenge. Um, I don't get mad, I get, oh, don't hang around those people that just said even. You don't want to be around them, right? So, <laughs> that was too many of us said it though, right? Uh, we don't want to get by those kind of people, but we, we are those kinds of people, right? When something happens, our first reaction is, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get back. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. Or I'm going to get even plus a little just to teach you never to do it again to me, Right? 
Now, I don't tend to be that way in life. Um, I've been very fortunate in life. I don't tend to be that way unless you put um, a ball in my hand and we're playing on a field. Uh, It's bad. It's bad. Listen to what Paul tells us in the book of Romans. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 32, 25. Uh, The Lord says the same thing to the people. Hey, don't worry. I will repay. I will take vengeance. Okay, I'll be honest with you. There's times in my life uh, where I've basically remembered this passage. And I tell people, vengeance is the Lord's. God will pay them back, right? Some people say it's karma, right? No, it's God. God God will get back. So I remember there's, there's some people that have done some things to me at times. And so in my prayer life, I have prayed. And I've let the Lord know how righteous I am by letting him know. I have not taken revenge. I have had opportunity. And I have not. Because revenge is yours. But I'm tired of waiting. Right? When are you going to take your revenge? A few months ago, there was, I was praying that about something. There were some things going on. And I, and I, and I opened, uh, made the mistake of reading a devotional. And um, that was a joke. We should all be reading our Bible and reading our devotions. And as this person was writing, they were writing about vengeance as the Lord's. I was going, yeah, preach it, preach it. And then they made the mistake of saying this, so is mercy. God tells us in the book of Exodus, I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. God chooses where revenge is going to take place and where mercy is going to take place. What God is trying to say to us is it's not in your hands. Leave that in my hands. Let me take care of it. But he also says to us this, if you want to be a person that receives mercy, be a person that gives mercy. At the end of the, at the, end of the Lord's prayer, uh, we've prayed in the prayer, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts, whatever the case. At the end of that prayer, Christ says, for if you do not forgive your brother, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. That's that's a rough one. That somehow I can can keep God's forgiveness from, from flowing through my life if I don't allow it to flow through to others. You want to receive mercy? Be merciful. It's that simple. It's that simple. The next one, blessed are the pure in heart. I want you to read this with me, ready? Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. What's it mean to be pure of heart? You've been around people who are, they're, they're just, they're pure. They, they see things in life. They think the best of people. Um, they, they tend to, I had a cousin um, that you could tell her almost anything. And she was, she, she loved people. She was always honest, always open. And so we had fun with her because we would joke. We would tell her the biggest lies and she would go, unbelievable. That's incredible. And then we have to thought we're joking right? Um, Some of us, a pure heart, a pure motive is is childlike faith. Jesus at one time takes a child and says to people, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? You got to become like one of these little kids. Those who love their father, those who trust him, those have yet been tainted by the world. They don't have all the junk and baggage that we carry. 
They don't have those things in their heart eating at them. They're able to think of others purely. They, they do things with pure motives because they have a pure heart. Okay? They do things. Let me, I was trying to think of an example of somebody that would do something with pure motives, but it could be misunderstood. So we're just over 60 days from Christmas. Okay, just, just give you a hint there. 60 days till Christmas. Um, so husbands, I'm going to talk to you for just a moment. If your wife is talking right now about, you know, during the holidays, I don't want to gain weight. You know, I don't want to eat all these snacks. I'm not going to eat all these sweets. I need to exercise. I need to do better. She is not saying, get me a treadmill for Christmas. <laughs> she is not saying, I would like to have a subscription to Weight Watchers. Okay, that is not what she is saying. You may, in the purity of your heart, go, oh, well, she's, she's wanting to get in shape. I will get her this, okay? So you, you might be very pure of heart, but if you do something like that, you will see God uh, quicker, <laughs> quicker than you want to see him, right? Or you may at least see his wrath coming through uh, that one that you love. I've joked about this, but we know what someone's like that's pure of heart, don't we? We know when our motives aren't pure. Here's what God is trying to say to us. Here's what Jesus is saying. Have you ever been around someone that's pure of heart? You've been around little kids who haven't been tainted by the world yet? They see God working everywhere. They see God's love flowing through people. They see where God is moving. I hate watching as kids get older and older and begin to get more jaded. And the things of this world begin to come in on their lives. Blessed are the pure in heart. Part of that starts, the purity of heart starts with a pure mind. So be careful what you take in. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, don't be conformed to this world that's coming against you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Allow the things of God to shape your mind. Don't become so tainted by the world that when you look at everyone in the world, you become jaded. So then the ways that you begin to act and react are in response to the world. Blessed are the pure in heart. They begin to see God. Not one day, but even now. Focus, fight, fight for that purity to be pure in heart so that you can see God. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. This is not a fun one. <laughs> Read it with me. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. So this is interesting. We, we think of peace quite often. Uh, peace sounds like a very passive word, right? I'm not going to fight. I will be peaceful, right? So peace is the opposite of fighting. That's not what this says. Listen, listen to the word. Peacemakers. People who make peace. Peace takes work. Uh, the author of Hebrews says, pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which none shall see the Lord. So some people say, well, pursue peace with all men, that's one sentence, and the holiness without which none shall see the Lord. The way it's written in our English sometimes, it looks, it looks interesting, uh, makes us make it two separate sentences. What it is saying is, without these, without either of these, we're not gonna see the Lord. Pursue peace with men. Pursue peace. Do you, are you the kind of person that when you walk in to a room, things get better? 
where there's strife, where things are going rough, you're able to help people get along. I'll be honest, there's moments that I get asked and invited into situations uh, that I don't wanna go into to help begin to try to make peace. So I, I, I step in where angels fear to tread and, and, and work in those situations and God's helped me be able to do that. But there's other moments that because of my position or because of the ways I've reacted or, or who I, there, I walk into a room and I can immediately feel the tension. Up oh, here he is. Shh, shh, here's the pastor. Or don't be talking about that. Or what's he gonna say? How's he gonna respond? I hate that. I want my life to be one where when I walk in the room, people know I'm not there to make fight, not there to pick fight. I'm there to bring God's peace. But to make peace also means there's gotta be some strife that's going on in order for us to go and make peace. Jesus looks at us and says, blessed are the peacemakers. What are you gonna be called if you're the peacemakers? Children of God. Because that's what God has come to bring. There's a Hebrew word for peace, it's called shalom. Shalom means this. It's a, it's a right relationship. It means in your life, if I say to you shalom, shalom alechem, uh, may the peace of God be with you. It means this, may, may God's peace live in your life so that what took place in the fall with Adam and Eve will bring your world back into order so that your relationship with God is restored. So that your relationship with others is restored. So that your relationship with yourself is restored and your relationship with the entire earth would be restored. May God bring that peace in your life. What are you doing to work for that kind of peace? Interesting. The last two I'm gonna kind of put together. Um, blessed are you, oh, oh, read them with me, read it with me. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what he's saying basically there is righteousness. Doing what is right, living, living on the right, living what God has called you to do, uh, do those things. The kingdom of heaven is yours. The next verse, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Read that part again. Be happy about it. Y'all aren't saying it very loud. Try it again. Be happy about it. You don't sound very happy yet. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Some of us have become good in the church at playing the martyr. I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. So, oh, why? You know, what, what's happened? What have you done? Uh, what's going on? And as they begin to talk, um, I realize they're not being persecuted for being a Christian. They're being persecuted for being stupid on social media, right? There's a difference. God doesn't say, blessed are you when people persecute you because you're being an idiot. That's not in there. That's not in scripture. So let's talk for a second what being persecuted for righteousness sake means. It means I am doing the things that God has called me to do and the ways that God has called me to live. I am living out a life of peace. I'm living out a life of mercy with others. I am sharing the truth of God. I refuse to get involved in things that some other people get involved in. I'm living my life in such a way that people are making fun of me because of that. Rejoice. Isn't it interesting he doesn't say defend yourself? 
Go after them and let them know, ha, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. Is that what he says? He says, rejoice, be glad, right? Be very happy when they start lying about you because of the things that you've done. Because your reward in heaven is great. They did the same things to the prophets. They're gonna do the same things to you. Don't be surprised. But don't confuse being persecuted for righteousness sake for being persecuted because you're trying to take on each and every political issue that's out there in the world on Facebook. I've said this a few months ago, I'll say it again. Um, I read a quote the other day that said, thank you so much for pointing out what you've said. I've never thought about those points. Um, Those are very well written and eloquent. Uh, I appreciate you pointing that out to me. As a result of what you said, I have changed my mind. Said no one ever on Facebook. There you go. Now you're getting it. There we go. All of this stuff that we're doing, it's not helping. It's not helping. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to do something here. I don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I'm going to step out where angels fear to tread this morning. Um, As of last month, um, so, well, right now, um, I have been here at Grove City Church of the Nazarene for 10 years and one month. And so I think I've got the ability now to speak to you as your pastor, I've helped some of you um, bury your family members. Married some of your kids off. I've married some of you off. Not married you off, but married you. (laughs) Parents want to marry you off, get you out of there, right? Sat by your bedside when you were sick. Talked with you, prayed with you on the phone. I'm gonna be direct for just a minute. And I've been here 10 years, so that's a good long time for a pastor. If y'all tell me I need to leave after I say what I say today, we'll be fine. We've got an election coming up. It's pretty serious. And I don't, I, I don't dabble in politics. I try not to get out and speak about them. I try not to do stuff with all that, with all that junk. I wanna be your pastor. I don't wanna be, I, I heard a pastor the other day say, I'm, I'm your pastor, not your politician. And I don't wanna be that. But I think there are moments, I watched this week, so a few different debates, uh, not just the presidential and vice presidential one, but watched some other interviews and some other things that were going on. Because I received in the mail uh, today, my, ab- my, not absentee ballot, but my vote by mail ballot, mine and Brooks. Brooke is away at college. So I got, uh, she and I went and registered all our stuff so we could vote, so we could talk about all these things before we go um, to, to the ballots. And I told her, I got your ballot, Brooke. I'll just fill it out for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually was gonna bring them up here today, but I thought somebody might steal them and fill them out for me. So I didn't wanna bring them up here. So as I listened I listened to someone begin to talk about some topics and I couldn't really tell where they stood. They would say one thing one minute and say another thing another. Um, they were being sort of wishy-washy and they were, trying to, they were trying to walk the line of election, of electability. Does that make sense? I don't wanna to tick too many of these people off. I don't wanna to tick too many of these people off. So in, in light of that, I, I was thinking, how do we as a church Respond. What do we do? How do we help people? Pastor Mark said a few weeks ago, um, educate yourselves, educate yourselves. And so I thought, how can we help you more specifically? And so there's a couple websites that'll pop up. If you want to go look at um, the nas.church slash home guide, there'll be a couple of links in there. One is to a place called the Christian Voter Guide. Uh, the Christian Voter Guide has a number of sites on there, so I'll give you a heads up. There are going to be some of, the, some of the sites on there that are going to look like exactly what some of you will want to see. It's, um, 
very uh, right-wing conservative expressions of what's going on and what people had to say. And, and if you read that particular voter guide, if you ask people that are on the left, their responses are no comment, no comment, no comment. So you don't even know what they think. Uh, there's other links that will take you directly to a particular topic. Here's this topic, and it takes you directly to that candidate's website, their own personal website. So it's not somebody trying to give you biased information, it's just the actual information of what they have said on their website. So you can read through those things. Please take time to read those things. Please take time to read those things before you go vote. Please take time to look at the issues because there's more than one issue on the ballot. There's more than one issue that's going on in our world. I get frustrated as your pastor when people make these elections about one issue. I'm gonna have to take a drink here. It's water, sorry. There's a <laughs> that sounded bad the way I said it. Um, <laughs> can you tell I'm nervous? I'm not nervous. I, just don't, I know what I'm going to say is going to upset some people here. Um, but as I watched and listened, I don't want to be someone who's, who's in between. I think Christians, uh, as, as believers, as Wesleyans, as Anglicans, those who come from the Anglican faith into Wesleyanism into where we are. There's a thing called the Via Media. It's called the middle way. There are people on far sides. There's a middle way that we find, but there are some, th- some things in scripture that aren't a middle way. It's just the way, right? And so there are places in the Old Testament where, where Israel is condemned because they began to allow um, the people began to worship a God called Molech. And the God Molech demanded uh, in order for him to do what was gonna happen, for you to be wealthy, for you to get the crops that you needed, for things to happen well for you, um, they would demand child sacrifices. And so people would sacrifice their children to this God, Molech, in Israel. And God condemns it outright, multiple times. How can God condemn that and condemn Israel in that regard and look at us and look at abortion and what is going on in America and not do the same thing with us? So if we haven't been clear, if you don't know where we stand on the issue of abortion as believers, uh, we stand as pro-life, meaning this. David said in Psalm 139, Lord, you knit me together when I was in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah said, while I was in my mother's womb, you called me to be a prophet. What is going on inside a woman's body is not just her, it is another human being. And we believe that to be true because of what the scripture says. So with that being the case, we as a people need to look at that issue, okay? We need to understand what it means to make something that God says is wrong, legal, and say it's okay, it's fine. We don't believe it's fine. I don't know, I don't believe that we can uh, legislate morality I don't believe we can make people do what's right or wrong. Paul says even the, the law that God gave us couldn't make people do what is right or what is wrong. Only the Lord can do that. But I do think that people that live in a nation that have the ability to vote as we do, we have a right to be able to vote for what we believe God says is correct. Do you understand me? Now, having said that, I don't believe that's the only issue. If you want to, I know this is a, this is a touchy one in America right now. And I realize I grew up in Miami, so I have a different take on this. I have a different take on cultural things, but just do this for me. Go to a search engine on any computer and type in, what does the Bible say about foreigners? Just write that down. 
You can get anywhere from 10 to 90 Bible verses, depending on if the person's just trying to do a Bible study or show you things. But God is very plain. You and I are foreigners and aliens on this earth. This world is not our home, right? We are meant for heaven. We're meant to be with him. But while we're living here on this earth, we need to realize this world's not our home. We also identify with the people of God down through the ages. We, we don't do this as much as people in the Old Testament, New Testament did, where they identified with their ancestors. They would speak in the first person, I was. People on, on, the, on Passover festival, the Jews will say, I was a wandering Aramean. My father was a wandering Aramean. I was a slave in Egypt, right? I was a foreigner in a foreign land and God brought me out and brought me here. And God says to the people, because of that, remember, the land that you're living in is not your own. You all got here somehow. Unless you're a Native American, okay? Unless, unless you're an Indian, we used to call them Indians when I was a kid, let me be clear what a Native American is. Those that were here thousands of years ago, the rest of us got here by boats or planes or some other method somehow right? This was not our natural home. It may be ours. For me, my family didn't come here till 1630, 1685, I think I told y'all, 1685, I think is when my family got here. So we've been here a long time, but we still came here from somewhere else. We're wandering sojourners. So what God says is how you treat the, the foreigner in your land will tell me how you want me to treat you. That's rough, but that's what God says. That's an issue. We need to deal with that as God's people. Are there other issues? Yes, there's tons of issues. My struggle, it's, is the economy an issue? The economy is an issue, no doubt about it. But I want us to be careful that we don't sacrifice our morals at the altar of the stock market. Because when we do that, we become very much like the children of Israel who sacrificed their children to the God Molech so that they could have successful businesses, that their crops would grow and things would go well. We look back at them and say, that is so primitive, their thinking. But we do the exact same thing. So folks, as you look at judges, go read up, find out what you can about the judges that we're getting ready to elect and we're getting ready to vote on. There's a wide range of issues to be dealt with. But if we as Christ's church don't stand up and begin to say, Hmm, what does God's kingdom look like? Then what hope does the world have? So here's my final, my final thing for you. When you go to vote, what if you were to do this? Say, I'm gonna go vote and I'm gonna vote for the candidate that most resembles this. Uh, they're poor in spirit. They're meek. They're merciful. They're pure of heart. They're a peacemaker. I'm gonna go vote for a candidate that looks like that because that's what the kingdom of God looks like. And I know some of you are looking at me right now going, there's nobody on the ballot like that. I understand, I understand, I understand. <laughs> you're going, Dale, this is pie in the sky craziness you're talking about right now. I get it, I get it. Pastor Dale, this is not practical. It's not practical because enough of the people of God haven't decided to say, I'm gonna do it. So that's step one. Step two is this. You want to know some of the most pure in heart people I know? Their name is Fred and Donna Reeser. 
Why? Because they're not sitting around going, I'm going to vote on this to make this happen. Day in and day out, they've looked at the poor and said, we're going to feed them. We're going to clothe them. We're going to help them get off drugs. So who's going to be elected? I don't know, whatever. Whoever gets elected, you know what Fred and Don are going to be doing? Feeding the poor and clothing them and helping them get off drugs. Do I care who's elected? Yes, I do. Please do not hear me say I don't care. But whichever party wins the election, I do know that God has told me this. I'm to pray for my elected leader. I'm to follow them, right? Unless they're getting me to do something immoral. I'm gonna pray for them because God has appointed them. Now we've voted, but scripture is clear that God appoints those who rule over us. If God can use someone like Cyrus of Persia to bring about his ways for Israel, then God can use whichever other people are on the ticket to do what he needs them to do for us as a nation. But God is concerned that you and I live out these beatitudes in life right now so that a world that is dying and hurting in darkness can see him living and shining in and through us. That's what God demands. That's what God calls us to do. So church, would you stand with me? Father, I pray that you'd be with us. Be with us as your people. Lord, your kingdom's upside down. Your kingdom looks crazy in this world. Our world has gotten more and more where it's marched towards the craziness that we've seen in Babylon in the Old Testament. God, we want your love to reign and rule through us. Help us to be merciful, God. Help us to be peacemakers. God, I pray that you'd help us to be pure of heart, that the things of this world would not taint us, that as we walk counterculturally to the things in this world, that we would do so in love. People may persecute us, they may make fun of us, they may say lies about us, but God, we want to walk in such a way that the world sees a difference in us. God, may it make a difference in us when we go to the voters booth. When we vote, if we vote by mail, whether we go, Lord, there's so many things we can argue about right now, but God, I pray you'd help us to live and love and vote in such a way that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that we would spend less time complaining about what's not going the way we want it to and that we would spend more time living in such a way that others can see the way they need to walk in. God, make that true in our lives and I pray that in all these things, you would live in us in such a way that your kingdom would come and your will would be done right here on earth where our feet touch the ground, just like it is in heaven. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Now, before you go, uh, usually someone comes up here and says something nice about the person that just spoke. I'm not going to do that. Um, lots of our staff right now is sick. Um, now, none of it's been COVID, praise God, uh, just colds and stuff that's going around in general. And so pray for one another. Uh, there are people that are going through all kinds of things right now. So as you go, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, I wanna bless you before you go. It's my prayer that the love of God would so fill you that you would have the, the ability to know what is the height and depth and breadth and width of the love of God, though it surpasses knowledge and that you would be filled with all the fullness of Christ so that those who walk up against you in the world would see something different about you and they would come to know Christ because of you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.